Hey guys, and welcome back to the Why Are We Watching This Podcast. This week, Zach's unknowingly been married to a gargoyle, and Sean's preparing a young boy for dinner, because we're watching Tales from the Dark Side. <laughs> I, I didn't remember well. They can't see you smiling. No, they can't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, what is up? I'm Sean. I'm Zach. And this week we're watching Tales from the Dark Side. Tales from the Dark Side is from 1990. It is a comedy horror. It has a rating of R and a runtime of 93 minutes. This movie was directed by John Harrison. I didn't look to see what else he directed. Sorry. <laughs> um, <coughs> it was written by Michael McDowell, who wrote Beetlejuice, or did a screenplay for Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. And George A. Romero, famously of Night of the Living Dead. Um, now, Michael McDowell wrote the Lot 249 and Lover's Vow uh-huh. portions. And George Romero wrote Cat from Hell. Of course he did. Right. Which, Cat from Hell is uh, based on a short story by Stephen King. I thought all of them were. No. Just that one. Lot uh, 249 is based on Arthur Conan Doyle from a, a oh, right. some writing from 1890 or something. Yeah, he, uh, he did Sherlock Holmes. Right. He invented Sherlock Holmes or whatever. Right. Um, Created. Invented. And then uh, Lover's Vow was completely original. Uh, this movie's got an IMDb rating of 6.3. It had a budget of $3.5 million dollars. And what do you think it made in the box office? 1.5 is what you said? I said, okay, so actually, let's... let's. I want to do something a little different from now on with this because I understand that it's kind of hard to just guess how much money was made. Um, so the budget was 3.5 million. 3.5. Do you think this movie made money or lost money? Mm, it's hard to say. I've been really off lately. I think it... I think it... I don't know. I want to say it lost money because I I never really heard of it. So this movie made six twenty sixteen point three million dollars. Yeah. Um, no, it's funny you you've never you said you never really heard of this. Uh, I had heard of well, I had heard of it, of it recently because I was looking at stuff to watch and sure just put that on one day. But were you familiar with the Tales from the Dark Side TV series? Uh, no. Okay, so uh, I know that there have been a few iterations. It's very similar to the Twilight Zone. It's one of the anthology-type horror series with the twist yeah. at the end. I mean, you can kind of tell from this movie. Um, Tales from the Crypt. Right. Very, And I think they're all pretty heavily inspired by the EC comics, the old mm. creepy comics, the or eerie comics. Um, Tales from the Dark Side is from the 80s, and it was created by George A. Romero. Mm. So it's actually kind of cool that he came back to write a segment. Sure. Um, that's funny. I now, spoiler alert. I, oh, we forgot spoilers. I'm, I'm curious. I kind of like don't want to spoil the ratings yet, but I really don't think you you liked this movie. Just from me watching it. Really? Yeah. Oh. Uh. Well. Okay. I guess. I guess we're jumping into it. Um. I actually did. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to. 
Really? Yeah, I didn't want to. Why didn't um, you want to? I don't know, because, like, it, it, part of it was, like, oh, this is really good, but it was also, like, Because eh, I, don't, I don't, you don't really like anthologies, do you? It depends. Because, I mean, well, Trick or Treat, but Trick or Treat's kind of, like, a perfect anthology. I mean, this kind of was, too, because uh, the wraparound story. That's I mean, true. it's just this kid reading stories from a book. Does so it, that works. So would you say, and I'm not saying I don't, but would you say that, like, a, a good wraparound story can kind of make an anthology work? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I kind of agree with that. If, if the wraparound doesn't work, though, then I, I don't think. I agree with that. Um, I will say... I really like the wraparound story in this. Obviously, we get uh, Matthew Lawrence, which was like pure nostalgia seeing him, especially as a child. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I never, I don't think I'd ever really seen him that young. Me either. And so, because I'd only really seen him when he was like in his teen years and then older. I've seen like preteen to older. Sure. Because they he has his younger brother and his older brother, right? I, I, or is it two older brothers? I think it's just two of them, but I think he's. Well, there's three all together. Oh. Uh, uh. But, yeah, it was weird. I was like, whoa, dude, I haven't seen any of these guys in a long time. Yeah. Um, Did you recognize the woman who plays the, well, what turns out to sort of be a witch? Um, well, I had already kind of looked into the cast. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't really know what I know her from. Debbie Harry's the singer for Blondie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, she was actually, like, pretty decent in this. I thought she was pretty good. And I was surprised, because usually, which we get this in this movie as well, but usually when you get people from bands and movies, they don't really quite know how to act. Occasionally you'll get someone who can kill it, but they don't quite know how to act. It's kind of different. It, it, which, it is different acting versus performing. It's two different types of art performance. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we'll we'll kind of jump into this, but... The, the wraparound story synopsis is a young boy reads three stories to postpone being prepared for dinner by a suburban witch. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, I was thinking, you know, she's obviously a witch. Uh, you know, she kind of dresses like a witch, although like a witch trying to like... Sure. Like kind of hide, I guess. I don't know. Or fit in, I should say. Well, sort of like a suburban, um, like a suburban-ish witch yeah and then you know she kind of drives like a witch and she was just really acting like a witch so <laughs> god um so and then you see the broom and i was like oh she's definitely a witch but you know do they really ever say in the movie that she's a witch no and they always kind of allude to that she's not going to do something with him right but then it kind of always twists back into oh wait yes i am well We'll get into this a little bit, but she says some stuff to him that I was like, oh my God, like that's kind of terrifying from the perspective of the child. Well, yeah, the kid's locked in like a cage hidden behind a bookcase or something. Sure. Um, that's all terrifying. And he was actually pretty chill about it, honestly. Um, so that's the wraparound story, sorry. Lot number 249 is based on a short story by Arthur Conan Doyle. I already said that. It's from 1892, uh, and so it's after the ceremonial murder of his sister and friend, a student becomes suspicious of his professor's newly acquired mummy. Mm. Now, of, well, well, we'll get to this later. Cat from Hell, based on the short story by Stephen King from 1977. 
A hitman is hired to kill a rich man's cat because he believes it's going to kill him. And lover's vow. When a man witnesses a murder committed by a gargoyle, he's promised his life so long as he never tells anyone. Years later, the man, now married, struggles with the guilt of keeping a secret from his wife. Mm-hmm. So, before we really get into the notes, of the three stories, not including the wraparound, which one was your favorite and which one was your least favorite? Um, it's, it's really hard. Um, my favorite is a tie between the, the mummy one and the gargoyle one. Yeah. I didn't really like the cat one. You know, I didn't. But they did one thing that was super crazy that I was like, oh. Was it the end of it? It was the cat jumping into his mouth and going down his throat. Yeah. That looked pretty badass. It was pretty crazy. So I will. I, I I agree with you on that one being my least favorite. Mm. Um, but they. I think it's just because it's kind of a boring story. Yeah, it you was know? kind of boring because it's like, well, it was really just this like kind of random cat that shows up and is supposedly killing people. Yeah. Um, but it like. There wasn't really a lot of depth to it. There wasn't a lot of... And that's why I was like, oh. I mean, because it's really just... It's just the old man hires the hitman to come in. And we don't have to do this in order. We can talk about this because, I mean, it's an anthology. Um, so the, so this old man, like, hires this guy and he shows up. Which, by the way, the, the hitman is the singer for the... Or I believe he's a singer, at least, for the New York Dolls. Uh, <laughs> the band. Uh-huh. And... I do not think he's a good actor in this movie. Oh, I thought he was actually pretty good. I think he's really ugly, though. He definitely is. As a matter of fact, my first note is, dude from the New York Dolls is fuck ugly. Yeah, I'm sorry, guy from the New York Dolls. He's doing fine. He's doing fine for himself. I don't, I'm not sorry. (laughs) I'm not sorry that you're fuck ugly. You're doing fine. Like, what does that matter? (laughs) I thought Um, he was pretty good, honestly. So I I have to say, and I, I've been, I mean, this is something that I don't think we've really touched on in the, the episodes that you guys have heard, but I used to be really bad about constantly addressing my notes, but I have to address this one. Uh, once they brought up the cat being killed, I wrote down, Zach's pissed about this one already. <laughs> I was. I was really uh, yeah. upset. Um, that's why I didn't like that one. But uh, that's, I figured. 100k for a hit on a cat, though. I wouldn't do it. Dude, I might do it. Uh, I wouldn't do it. Can't what? do it. I'm just saying, if y'all got a hundred grand and you got a cat that you need gone, I'm not going to kill it. I'm just going to rehome it. <laughs> <laughs> but then it comes back. Well, then it's your problem. hundred K, I'll take care of it again. Wow. It's not a satisfaction guarantee kind of thing. I thought it was kind of ironic, though, that like, um, why did I say that weird? Ironic. Ironic. I thought that was ironic. <laughs> um... It's kind of ironic, though, that, like, you know, the old guy comes back, and he's like, oh, shit, the guy's dead. Fuck. That didn't work. Uh, and then, um, like, the cat just jumps on his lap, and he, like, just essentially scares just has him. a heart attack. Yeah, like, scares him to death or whatever, he, you know? He, yeah, he has, like, a heart attack or something and can't get to his pills. Which, I okay, th- before I say that I hate... I. I didn't hate this one. I just, it's my least favorite of the three because it's kind of a boring story. 
This one had some really interesting ideas in it, though, because they kind of talk about the old man having his drug that he takes and how it's a hallucinogenic and how you can see him taking like three or four of them as he pulls off in the taxi. Mm-hmm. So they sort of play it off like, oh, this is just a crazy old man. Yeah. And um, the way they do some of the flashback scenes uh, in that se- in that segment were really interesting. It was kind of like a play is what it felt like where there's people in the foreground and then the background lights up and yeah. you see this uh, like this memory play out. That was kind of the one thing I really liked about it because you see him exiting in one of them and as he's exiting and like going through the hallway, it's transforming from the flashback to the present time. Yeah. And I I thought that was, that was pretty cool, pretty interesting. Like the, the artistic vision, I, I I guess I should say that if you have to take a story like this where it's, where it's kind of cut and dry as to what you're doing, they did a pretty good job of making it at least look interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, like you brought up earlier, the cat going into the guy's mouth and then coming back out later yeah. was like really brutal and done really well. It was a good prop, too, because yeah. like you see it bulging in like the throat and in the stomach and it was pretty like vicious. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, I, it just took it to that level that I was just like, oh, I didn't think it'd go there. Right. And that was kind of cool to see. Well, and because up until then, all of the deaths have been in a way that. You could just say, oh, it's just an old man being crazy. So, I... Um, yeah, from the pill, too. Right. But, and, I mean, you watch everything happen with the, the hitman. Right. And so, because the, the, his sister tripped over the cat walking down the stairs. Yeah. And so she was accident. It was accidental death. The cat sat on the other lady's face and suffocated her. Yeah. And, like, attached itself to her. Um, okay, I didn't get that. That's what was happening. Yeah, it like cl- <laughs> climbed up onto her face and like like attached onto her. And just like mouth fucked her. <laughs> Basically, uh, and then the other the other guy died in the car trying to get rid of the cat because it got out of the box and distracted yeah. him. Yeah. So it all kind of just looks like accidents. Yeah. And pl- not to mention though, I'm like watching this like the cat's not really what y'all got to worry about you're all old as hell and like <laughs> smoking and like coughing the whole time I'm like I don't think the cat's the problem but here. it's funny that the one lady was like smoking but then her friend's the one that's like coughing right uh, I thought that was kind of weird just one of those freak things I guess uh it, it's just it's an interesting way of doing the whole like death is knocking at your door and one by one it's taking you mm-hmm. but then the metaphor is sort of lost once you introduce a hitman that literally is killed by the cat. Yeah. You know? Um, there were a couple of funny lines. I mean, the, the only thing I thought that was, like, really funny in that was him being like, "You could, there's everything you could ever want. And then when the guy's, like, going to the house, it's, like, all cheap alcohol and there's nothing in the fridge. Yeah. Um, that 10K he paid him was, like, all he had. Probably. Yeah, right. It's kind of what it seemed like, dude. There was, like, no lights on in this house. Like... And I kept, like, laughing because I was like, well, I guess that's how he kept them, like, being rich by not buying anything ever. <laughs> um, and this movie did bring back uh, an old memory that I have of wanting so badly to have a, a briefcase for all of my weapons. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, it just always looks so cool. I'm like, damn, dude, why, where do I get one? Yeah. You know? Well, well, I mean, what would you put in your briefcase? My weapons. Well, what are your weapons? My weapons. Okay. Oh, wow. Um. Now, let's let's go up from there. Of the next two, which one is n- not your favorite? Which what's your number two? Man, it's really hard to say. Um, 
Because, like, I, I think I it's hard for me to pick because I can't... Uh, with, like, the Gargoyle one, it was, like, kind of good. Uh, but then it was kind of, like, cheesy and, like, there were parts that were, like, why is this happening? Why is this important? We should talk about that one, then. <sighs> All right. We'll jump into that one. Okay. So, Lover's Vow is the last of the three segments. Mm-hmm. Um, and potentially this is the one where uh, a man watches his friend get attacked by a gargoyle. The gargoyle says, if you never speak of me and never tell me anybody that I existed or spoke to you, I'll let you live. He promises. Fucking immediately meets a woman, which I'm like, red flag. Uh, marries her 10 years later, decides to tell her because he guilt- feels guilty that this happened. And... And then she turns out to be the gargoyle. Yeah. Um, Which is kind of weird and twisted because it's... This, I'm going to say, of the three, this is my favorite. But it's... This one is... Okay, so I watched this movie when I was, like, really young because it was on TV or something. I don't know. But um, this was the only segment that I caught. And then the ending. And I was like, I don't know what I just watched. But this segment, like, stuck with me, and it really unsettled me. Yeah. Because of the whole idea of, like, well, in watching it again, I realized, like, maybe a lot of things that I subconsciously had remembered from it that had unsettled me, because, like, one of the first shots is you get this gargoyle looking down over this guy while he's working on his art, and it's, like, smiling. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, so it's been watching him. Yeah. And then we see everything play out, and it's like, oh, how creepy, and, like, like, cosmic horror creepy. Like, so beyond the human understanding of things. Yeah. I was just like, my God. Like, I think that's what it is, is ultimately, like, the creepiness of this thing, like, stalking this guy, and then also being a monster. Well, and it kind of, like, uh, tricked him into, like, giving it children. Yeah. But it wanted to be human, I guess. Well, so this is based on the, um, and I don't know the proper words but it's the the snow lady of asian like yokai uh, mythology oh. so this is sort of based on that yeah but like a lot of different versions of it it's kind of like a mesh yeah. because they do a lot of different things um for instance when they leave the bar the friend hears something and goes to check so one of the one of the tellings of the the ghost lady is that she will call for you, and if you come to help her, she'll attack you. Yeah. And so they're kind of playing on that. She'll grab your attention, and if you come look for it, then she'll kill you. James Remar, which, by the way, James, Re- James Remar is the guy that survives the artist. Yeah. Um, he, like, flees, and so it ultimately says, if you never speak anything, I'll let you go. But then it's like, ew, how creepy that it, like like, goes home with him and, like, does that whole thing. Well, and that's kind of what I was saying, is, like, it's pretty twisted. However, what if it's also this kind of weird thing where, like, it's not that the creature turned into the lady, but that she appeared and in that, in meeting him, was, like, cursed. And so when he breaks the curse, she transforms. Hmm. Well, and that's, the thing about it to me is, like, I get that he's haunted by it, and he, like, does these paintings and everything, and ultimately this, like, badass little sculpture that he makes of it, but, yeah. 
she does seem like unhappy. She seems like something's bothering her. Because it seems like he just wants to please her when he finally is like, I have something to give you that... Because she says... He, he basically tries to say, because they're doing well, um, we can move out to the country. And she says, well, you're going to hate that and the kids are going to hate it. And he says, well, we can do it for you. Yeah. And she's like, I already have everything I could ever ask for. And so that's when he tells her. Yeah. Basically being like, I, I have something that you don't know or that you couldn't ask for or you could never, you know. And, um, like, that's when the whole transformation scene kind of happens, which is, like, really traumatic in itself, too, because she's crying. Yeah. About it. Yeah. And, like, the kids seem to know. Or they don't know. And it's just happening. Which, that's also frightening. That's yeah. a very frightening concept. Um, and then at the end, which is kind of weird, I thought, was um, the gargoyle, when she lands, it shows her so on the perched again. Yeah. She's only holding one of the babies. No, she had two. I, I only saw one, at least. The it other head like... was, like, up here. Oh, okay. It was a little taller. Interesting. Because I was like, oh, that's odd. Like, setting up for something here? I don't know. It's pretty yeah. creepy. No, they were both. There. But, yeah, I don't know. This story is always, like, seemed very, like, unsettling and kind of, like, um, I don't know, just terrifying to me. It reminds me a lot of that series that was on Netflix, The Loves, or what was it? Love, Sex, and Robots? Uh, I think it's love, death, love, death, and robots. robots. So, there was an episode, and I don't remember which one it was, but it takes place in space, and it's this very interesting animation. Um, basically, this guy is on a ship, and he's like, his wife is there, but he's like, I thought you were dead, and how'd you get here, and why is the rest of the crew still sleeping? And then it plays out, and you find out at the end that there's actually this like alien spider that has overtaken the ship. And it's, like, manipulating his mind. And it's been playing his wife in these, uh, like, in these visions that he's having. Because he finally, like, wakes up and figures it out and sees. And it's, like, this terrifying image. I don't know if I saw that one or not. But this reminds me so much of that. And it's this weird idea of, like, being romantically involved with this thing that isn't human, that has this connection to you. Like, this thing that's, like, larger than you, your understanding yeah. It's kind of weird. That movie Pandorum is kind of like that too, but it's it's not as cool in my opinion. Oh, it's just like so eerie to me. Like, I, I don't know what it is about that that is so unsettling to me. It Yeah, it was eerie because it's like, that's what I was saying. It's like, well, was she like actually just a real chick and like that happened? And then it was like, oh, he told so like she can no longer be human again or um, did the thing, was that the thing the whole time? But it right. was its own curse where, like, if he tells, uh, it transforms and then has to be a gargoyle again and wanted to be human or whatever. Yeah, I maybe it's because they do leave out, which, by the way, Carola. Yeah. Come on. That's a gargoyle name. Like, if, if someone said that was their name, I'd be like, you're a gargoyle and you just saw a Corolla drive by. I was going to say, they're either that or a car. <laughs> they're, so. You're an Autobot. Yeah, they're a something. Um, they're more than what meets the eye for sure. <laughs> in that segment, we get a sex scene in 69 minutes. Hell yeah. Boning in the dead of night. Dude, we get a sex scene at 69 minutes. Hell yeah, we do. I literally like saw that and didn't believe my eyes. Do you think that was intentional? I hope so. 
Um, like we gotta save this one last because I've already synced up that if we're all going by this time slot, the sex scene's gonna happen right at sixty nine minutes, and we we just gotta have that. Like, come on, guys. Um. Oh, so a couple more things. I only had a couple more things I wanted to say about that. Um, her saying last night was very important to me. The night after they banged, <laughs> that's a stage five clinger, bro. Uh, his proposal is are we gonna make this little bastard legitimate or what when he finds out she's pregnant <laughs> that's not how you do it james remar <laughs> i i honestly think that that was like ad-libbed <laughs> i don't i bet but, it was uh i mean who knows but um i don't know i don't think <laughs> that i mean that's certainly not how you go about it but at least it wasn't like Ah, oh, shit, well, now I have to. His wife's on set. Kind of seems like he wanted to. Starts so. tearing up. She's like, that's how he asked me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm there again. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, the gargoyle transformation in this is fucking crazy. It's really good. And, like, this, uh, traumatizing. This one had, yeah, this one, um, like, special effects-wise and everything was... Probably the best one. I think it was, and I think that's why they saved it for the end. Yeah. Because it kind of called for the most, Yeah, in my opinion, but they fucking nailed it, especially well, for what they had in 1990. Yeah, and it was pretty cool because when you see the gargoyle the first time, it's really dark and you only see like glimpses of it. Yeah. But you can still tell it's really detailed. Yeah. Um, And then like the transformation at the end is just nuts. It was crazy. Um. Yeah, so that one's my favorite. Spoiler on that one. Uh, and then the very first one that we get is lot number 249, and this one's your favorite, eh? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I thought this one was a strong beginning. I think the way they put these in order was a good choice. Oh, I agree. Because they, they start pretty strong. Like, this this story kind of caught me off, uh, off guard. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. But... I mean, with all things aside, I don't know. I don't know if this one's my favorite. This one might be second. I just thought it was really strongly done. Um, not that the stuff they were doing was super crazy, but they kind of did stuff that I'd never really... Not that I've never seen it before, but stuff I like seeing. Yeah. Um, you can still kind of like see that older writing in this with the way that it's like, this doctor gets this mummy and then he brings yeah. it back to life. And then there's like, there's like a twist at the end again. Like, you know, and then the way the, the student is like, no, I'm going to turn it on you. I was like, Oh, this is like so old school, but I love it. Like it was done so well and it wasn't cheesy and yeah. it could have been, and it could have been very easily. Yeah. And I really liked Christian Slater in it. Christian Slater, Steve Buscemi. We get Julianne Moore. Yeah. And all I can think about is, Steve Buscemi used to be a firefighter. And if you, I was in a fire and that little crazy, like, guy started coming in telling me he was going to save me, I'd probably be like, just leave me here. You're fucking wild looking. <laughs> You're terrifying. You're scarier looking than the fire. That's so messed up. I love Steve Buscemi. He is kind of crazy looking, but. I honestly, I will say, I think he, like, looks a little more mature with age. Yeah. Ma he looks a little more mature with age. I meant to say he looks better as he matures with his age. Okay, I get what you're saying. You know, you're starting to look old the older you get. <laughs> he was the boy man. Uh, 
Well, he half just boy, like boy, half man. He, that's kind of the thing is like when he was younger, his his feature his features kind of seemed weird, like disproportionate. Like his teeth look really big in this movie. <laughs> like, I I don't know. Yeah, it, it depends on the character really, because sometimes they'll tack stuff on his face and. I don't. I don't know if they put anything on him in this one, though. Well, no, no, no. But like, uh, it's funny I've referenced this before. But in Big Daddy, he's when he's like the a hobo. hobo, yeah, yeah. And uh, 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 yeah, I said it right this time. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, but he's got like the beard and stuff, so uh, that's what I mean. It's like sometimes you know, there's things that kind of don't let you really get to see how he looks. Because you're kind of making it sound like over the years his teeth got smaller. No, I'm assuming the rest of his face grew over it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Because he's still got like the bulgy eyes, but. Sort of like the reverse of like, uh, like a face lift. Kind of like a face droop. Yeah, a, f- a face drop. <laughs> he's more of like. Yeah. Um... But his skeleton just holds <laughs> it up so he's smiling all the time. So this one, um, a professor acquires a mummy and yeah. summons it back to life in order to seek revenge on the people that have been wronging him. Good old All, mummy revenge. Although the way the story's told, it doesn't seem like that's necessarily what's happening right away. Because at first I'm like, Oh, he doesn't realize he's summoning this, like, mummy. Or that it's working, at least. You know what's funny? is like, as soon as he starts reading the thing, I was like, oh, yeah, he knows he's doing something. But... That's so part funny. Of, part of me was just like, okay, well, maybe he's just reading something about it. But it was definitely one of those kind of, like, um, like, uh, Back to Evil Dead, when they find the... Uh, the Necronomicon, ex Mortis. And he starts reading it. Um... It's like, okay, well, when you start reading, like, poetic shit like that, it's, like, super dark, something's gonna happen. Well, and that's, so. and I'm kind of glad that this movie doesn't play with him being, like, unaware that it was gonna do that, because that's so tropey. Yeah. That he's like, oh, no, yeah, like, like, by the end of the movie, he's like, yeah, I knew exactly what I was doing, because he, like, that he has the joke about how he's, like, revives the other two, first of all, yeah. but also makes the joke about the kid not being able to tell the difference between his scrolls. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, this dude knows exactly what he's doing. Which, yeah, that that part was kind of um, hard for me to get because I feel like there wasn't enough information. I feel like I had to make some heavy assumptions to understand some of this. Yeah, because, like, how would, how would we or, you know, know that it's a different scroll? Right. Well, that's what his joke is, too, is being like, you wouldn't know, because I'm a professor, so I know. Or maybe maybe the thing is that he stuffed a fake one in there. Well, that's what he's kind of says. That's what he kind of says at the end. He makes the joke about how it's not this, like he couldn't tell the gotcha. difference. I thought I I kind of took from it that it was just a different scroll. No, I see. I assumed it was he had the same one. No, oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, but um, but I I don't know. I kind of expected the like not like. Okay, I I should say this isn't my first time watching this movie, but it's been like a really long time, mm-hmm. so I didn't remember a lot of it. I didn't really expect to like love this one once I realized it was about a mummy. Yeah, and then I like really did like this one. That's kind of what I mean. Is like, um, 
it's hit or miss with mummy stuff. Yeah. And this one was really good. I feel like mummies are harder to nail than like werewolves. Werewolves easy because you are automatically dealing with a giant animal that like there doesn't have to be anything extra to it for it to be scary or to harm you. No, you're right. I just... With mummies though, it's like a fucking roulette. It's like what is it going to be? Right. Because like sometimes it's that they can like control like plagues and stuff like that and just oh, crazy shit. It, this dude was like really strong. Yeah. Which was pretty crazy. Well, he didn't really do like magic stuff. No, I I was actually going to say I like that his It was um, like just a zombie essentially. But he's also performing like the ceremonial deaths cuz he pulls right. the dude's brain out through his nose. Yeah. And oh, then that was, that was tough. And stuffs the girl. That was tough. And then it's like on the plate. <sighs> oh man, that was rough. But that was a good practical they it did for the brain. It was really good though. Yeah. Um the yeah he stuffs the girl with like flowers flowers which i was like oh that's rough dude yeah um and then and wraps her in tape yeah it was like damn dude that was cool though i thought that looks good because like we already saw what happened to her so it's like we don't need for him to walk in and discover a huge gash in her back i like that it like wrapped her up and set her in a chair and even put flowers in her hands yeah i I like some of the choices made by this movie, like, really, I think that it, like, does some things. It takes some tropes and kind of, like, doesn't play them to the trope. It they sort did of does a lot it a little of, different. So, uh, here's what I'll say, because it, it's still hard for me to kind of pick which one I like more, because now that we're getting into this one, I'm like, oh, I remember all the stuff I really liked about the first one being so strong. Is like, they did a lot of camera stuff that I thought it this was the best one. No, this one had or, some amazing camera so stuff. So, like, when, when the... Which I love how the mummy, when it first goes to uh, the blonde guy's place, it, like, walks through the house and, like, kills him or whatever. Mm -hmm. She gets home and discovers him. And then as she gets home, it's, like, leaving. Right. And it's off to the guy, her brother's apartment. And then you see it walking up the stairs. um, And then he's coming down the stairs, and you're like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? And it's cool because, like, at first, I kind of wasn't sure and thought maybe they did this weird split thing. Right. And then I realized, no, it's that hallway. And it's so the camera's, like, centered split. and can see, yeah, can see the the downstairs with the mummy coming up and then the upstairs with the uh, Christian Slater coming down. Um, and then he hears this phone ringing and he, like, thinks about it, but then he's like, no. And then starts to go and you're like, oh, shit. And then he, it rings again and he's like, uh, okay, and, like, goes to it. Right. And then that's where it cuts really weird. Because then it's like, well, what happened to the mummy? He was just like, oh, I guess I wasn't going to get that scare I wanted, so I'll just dip. Yeah, it just, like, goes into the office Oh, well, it was the same apartment as Bellingham, though, wasn't it? The same building. So I guess it would have went to Back to his house. Um, In between the time that he... I don't know if he well, even left or not. So there were, there's that, which I really loved that shot where they do the, the practical split screen. Yeah. You know, with the stairs. And then there's also um, when the blonde guy's at home and he hears the mummy after he breaks in and he's walking through the house and the mummy has the hanger. So the camera's tracking the guy. It's following him. Yeah. And then he walks behind the wall and then it, it yeah, goes it past pans. the mummy as he's breaking the hanger open. Oh, I didn't see that. So the camera literally like 
is following this guy down the hall, and then he goes behind the wall, and the camera stays in front of it. Oh, yeah. And then the mummy has like, the uh, hanger. Uh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. And the camera just keeps going, and then it, it catches the blonde guy again, and I was on like, the other side. fuck, that's a cool shot. I love yeah. shit like that, where it's like, we're going to show you the thing, but we're not going to linger on it. Yeah. We're not going to make that the center of attention necessarily. I like stuff like yeah. that. It's like, whoa. Because, I mean... This, and then, I mean, I, we probably brought it up in the podcast before, at least I think so, but in the first um, Insidious movie, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, you've With talked the, about right, this. The, the boy little boy the next to the, yeah, next to the washing machine or something that she's walking down the hall. Yeah. That, because it's like, it's terrifying. It, yeah. Like, you don't, the fact that they're not bringing it to your attention, like, the fact that you still notice it is terrifying. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, this story, I like that the Christian Slater character like is like, no, you killed my, you killed my sister and my best friend, so I think I'm just gonna turn this on you. Yeah. And he's like breaking the mummy apart, and like I like that the mummy doesn't get him, and yeah, that he just too. straight up like kills it, and he's like, no, I figured it out. Yeah. And uh, I didn't expect the ending where Steve Buscemi's in the car. Where he lets him go, basically, and then he summons the two up to kill uh Yeah, and then Christian you see Slater. that really weird cab driver with the chain steering wheel. Yeah, what was that? I don't know. I feel like I'd seen... Like, the first two, I kind of feel like I had seen those before. And I was like, did I watch this already? And I think you just see a lot in the trailer they play on there. If you watch mm. the trailer, I think they just kind of show a lot. Maybe. Um, and <laughs> I feel like I kind of got the gist of it, I guess. I don't know. But uh, I was I was very surprised with all the twists in it and they weren't bad all the twists were pretty good honestly in my opinion um but uh yeah it's just the cat was just kind of boring um lot 249 was pretty cool um just because i i like mummy stuff um i mean the mummy was like one of that was like one of the movies we bonded over we have a fucking song about it uh oh yeah i guess so we do. I didn't... Re- well, okay, but, like... It's straight up referencing it. Yeah, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I I, cause I think they're kind of underrated. I, I don't think people really think mummies are scary, and it's like, well, think about, like, just what you can have it do. Yeah. That's what's scary. Absolutely. Um, it, which, uh, I know it kind of bombed, and it wasn't the best, but I actually really liked the new mummy movie with Tom Cruise. I didn't even see it. I enjoyed it. I, you know, this movie actually, I will say, kind of reminded me too. I prefer a, pr- a practical mummy over a, a like a CG one. Oh, I do, but I like what they do with the CG with the mummy movies. Me too, because I get what they're doing. They and do you kind of have stuff. to. Yeah. Right. If they could do that in a practical way and it looks good and fluid, then um, yeah, that would be awesome. But I think, I think it's that's kind of the thing is. I think it's just because like there's something. That you expect so naturally out of a mummy for it to look more, like, gritty and, like, dirty. And CG always looks kind of glossy. Yeah, I can understand that. In some sort of way. Yeah. You know? I, I'm not quite sure what it is. Maybe light. Maybe subsurface scattering of light. <laughs> you know? Uh, basically, the ending of this movie is Matthew Lawrence decides to tell his new story because... Debbie Harry's late to a, b- a blondie practice and she needs to get him in the oven. 
He pulls some marbles out of his pocket. She sees him do this and still slips on them. Now, this is what's great, though. He's narrating it. Okay. And it's like there's magic in him narrating it. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe he discovered, like, a spell or something. Or maybe she did something where she, like, said a spell. And maybe he was like, oh, I don't, you know. Well, I, don't, I don't even don't know, but, and I didn't hate the narrating of, of it. Because it makes, like, it's got that, like... Well, that's what allowed it to happen. But it has that, like, I mystical, imagine. like, storybook aspect of it, too. It being narrated. I took it as, like, that's the thing, is that was the magic of it. Because why would you obviously be like, Timmy pulls out some marbles in his hand and drops them on the ground and she slips on him. She watches him do this and still slips on it. So that's I'm true. assuming that in him narrating, it's assuring that it happens. You know what I think it is? What? It's a little kid coping with the fact that he's about to be just tore up. Well, you know what? Up. He still gets away and kills Dude, him. okay, she so. she does explain to him what evisceration is after telling him that she's planning on eviscerating him. <laughs> I was yeah. like, my God, this is horrible, dude. Just well, she's not, about. like, trying to be nice to the kid. No, I get it. But that's I was just like, my God. And the fact that this is happening and this is one of the least tense moments in the sh- like movie at the same time like I want to give him some credit with that because that moment wasn't very tense it kind of came off as funny yeah even though it was like a very like kind of serious matter if you were to really like be serious with it I th- I think that's kind of what makes it so great yeah I agree like it was kind of like that that's the whole thing it was like scary movies they they were all pretty scary not really like super funny, I would say. Maybe you could take the second one as funny, but I, I think know. the second one was funny, but maybe not intentionally. And I hate to say that. Yeah. I I love that the wraparound is like kind of upbeat and fun, especially. It's still pretty with, dark though. Well, into, it is. And and then until that moment, kind of. Well, and then he, you know, with the ending, him looking into the camera and saying, "God, or man, I love a happy ending." But after having sort of that downer moment from Lover's Vow at the end, where you're like, oh, God. It kind of, like, for me, it leaves me with this, like, uh, and then I see that ending, and I'm like, okay, well. Yeah. All right. It's fine. You know, but if, like, I were to watch a movie that literally ended the way Lover's Vow did, I would be like, I'm fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) Like, just generally uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, But that is the that on that. What are we going to rate this movie out of this week? Oh, boy. Um... We'll give it marbles. Alrighty. Um, how many how many blondies? <laughs> yeah, oh, there we go. Blondies. I got to make a really bad joke. Okay. And I hate that I laughed at this when I when I came up with it in the moment because it's not funny. Uh-huh. But when Debbie Harry popped up on screen, I thought, man, Debbie Harry could call me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know she looked good. She did look good. I had, I had no idea how good looking she was. She's got a heart of glass too. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, ninety nine red balloons or whatever. no? No, it's not them. Didn't they cover it? I thought they did. They sound the fucking same. You're like, whatever. God damn it! I don't care. Uh, I love when you get things wrong on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's not. It's not often, but it's funny when you do. It's because I don't know shit. Um. Yeah, I give it. Uh, we'll cut that. I I give it. I give it four. Four, is it? I'll give it four marbles. Recommend? Or blondies? Uh, yeah, I recommend it. Yeah. I, I thought it. I thought it was. I was unfortunately tired. 
uh, I had a really long day yesterday, so, um, because I had to do a bunch of stuff after work, too. Um, so after all that, I didn't get to watch the movie till like, 9 o'clock, so I was, like, super tired, and so, like, after the second movie, I was like, fuck, when is this gonna end? But it was good, and I'd recommend it. I was just, I was tired. Um, I'm really glad to hear that, because I... I don't know. I didn't think you were going to like this. And honestly, for a second, I didn't think I was going to like it. Really? Because I I only really remembered the one story. See, I, I had assumed that you, like, were all about this movie already. I, I mean, I've seen it, but and I only really remembered the one story. Um, I really do like horror anthology movies, so I've seen, like, a, a bit of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like the way, like, the Creepshow movies, like, have a... They they don't feel mean-spirited, and I don't think this movie necessarily does either, but they seem a little more like you could laugh at most of the the segments. Mm-hmm. As to where this, the only real moment or segment in this that I felt like I was like meant to be laughing at was the wraparound story. Yeah. And so I think it for a little bit I was like, man, this might take itself too seriously. And that kind of sucks, unless you do it well. But after getting to the end of the first segment the 249 yeah the box lot 249 um i was like oh no this is gonna be a lot of fun yeah because it's like it's never gonna stop twisting and and i think that um they were all like at the end of the day pretty fun stories the gargoyle one's the only one that i didn't really have any fun with because it was just like sad it was visually fun though Oh, absolutely. And it was where, crazy cool to look at. And that's what I mean. Is like the, the story wasn't like that solid for me, but the twist and then obviously they they were like, okay, well, we want to do this and make this like really good. So like the twist and the visuals and stuff, that all like made that, that made that whole segment. Oh, yeah. I um, mean, the first attack. Which because I, mean, I was like, yeah, you see the thing right away. And I was like, what? What are they, where are they going to go from here? Well, and we didn't really talk about it either, but, like, the first attack, we see the dude get attacked. Like, he has his yeah. hand, like, cut off. Yeah, that and first And it's, guy, like, spraying. It, it, like, yeah, launches his hand and then, like, smashes his head off his Well, it like, it, like, slaps his face and takes off a huge chunk of skin. Oh, uh, I didn't notice that. I thought it just, like, knocked his head off. I think it does after that, but because he's saying... Oh, it does slash him in the face pretty hard. Because he's saying, help me, yeah. to the guy, which... I'm like, man, there is nothing like more like terrifying than watching someone just being destroyed and asking for help. Yeah, and he he tried getting back into the bar. He tried to get the the drunk guy to let him in. Yeah. Which then that guy comes back later to try and like be like you killed him. Dude, that guy is that guy is the worst actor in the movie. Yeah, and but he was supposed to be drunk. I get that, but there's a line where he says it in a way that I was like no, but nobody would say it like that. Yeah. Because he says, uh, instead of being like, you know something, because that's what they're kind of trying to do with him being with the whole James Rumor character for that like one interaction at the mm-hmm. thing. He like literally goes, you know something. And I was like, what? What is that? Yeah, he was really odd about his like performance, but I'm guessing this guy probably wasn't. I mean, he's obviously he was not the best. Actually drunk. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> His real name was Maddox because he was actually drunk, and they couldn't give him a fake name. He wouldn't react. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I. You know what, man? I'm. I would give this movie a four out of five, easy, and it is a recommend. 
Nice. Um, Go watch it now. It's not often that Zach and I have the same score. Yeah. So I feel like when it is, that's a cool thing. It yeah, it's, it's kind of like a super bonus. Yeah. It means you should probably go watch this movie. You probably should have went, like, stopped all this and then watched it and then listened and then been stoked that you watched it because we recommended it, so. Yeah, what's your excuse? We warned you. Yeah, we did. Spoilers. We said it before we even dove into anything. It's your fault. Sorry. <laughs> With that being said, um, next week, Zach's a bongo drum and I'm smoking too much weed. Yeah. As usual. Peace, Peace bitches. bitches. <laughs>